The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Yields are collapsing, and that's good and bad. Oil prices collapsing, also good and bad. Inflation is rising. The PPI comes in hot. Not sure that matters right now, though. And our guest today is Steve Sanders, EVP at Interactive Brokers. All this and much more on episode number 794 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Hey, I'm Andrew Horowitz. How are you? Hope you're doing well. Hope you're gearing up to a really great holiday this year, even though I know we have inflation and prices are higher and things are not good and the markets are not great and it's been a rough year and all these bad things that we can say. But the fact of the matter is that, you know what? It's not that bad. Things can be a lot worse and who knows? Let's be honest, they could get a lot worse. And that's why we're here looking at all the things that we have at our disposal to figure out what we can do financially to make sure that that part of our lives are set well. And I say that in a positive manner, because if you think about all the things that have gone on recently and all the ways that, well, things can have gone really awry, it isn't the worst thing in the world. We're getting back to normal in terms of interest rates. We're getting back to normal after a pandemic, at least here in the U.S. And, and what we have to look forward to is a normalization of the financial system. And that is actually a really good thing. And I'm not saying this to be overly optimistic. You know me. I try to work with both areas of concern. I look out, okay, well, are we overdone on this side? Or are we oversold on that side? And where is the opportunity? What I'm really more concerned about is setting up a portfolio that is adjusted on a regular basis to meet the demands of what is going on in the environment, not only now, but over the next several months. And in the next several months, what do we see? Well, what we've noticed is that things got out of hand and we have what's called a reversion to the mean or just a reversion. It doesn't have to be back to the average because what we saw with prices and we saw with earnings and we saw with what happened with equities was not normal. We can't put a normal mean average in there. When I say mean, that's the average. We can't say that the prices and earnings was a normal occurrence because what, what it really was was an abnormal artificial situation that was brought to us by your friends in Washington, D.C. By giving away so much money, keeping rates down so long, it really created a problem. So we have to almost lop off the entirety of that time period as, wow, that was great. That was fun. Whoa, I hope it can happen once again sometime in the future, but not likely. And therefore, look at where we are now as a give back to some of the things that happened and to pay back some of the excess 
that was provided during that period of time. And where we are right now is, I think, a very unique time and a very interesting time from an opportunity standpoint. One of the things I want to talk to our guest today is about bonds. And bonds have been anything but boring lately. In fact, they're kind of cool. I know. Who says that? Bonds are kind of cool right now because they were ravaged so dramatically over the last year or so. And here we are in a situation now where the bond market has been basically torn apart, put back together, and doesn't even resemble what we saw over the last 10 years because during that time, it was a time when yields were coming down consistently and rates were being cut. And even after we thought they couldn't go any lower, they went to zero. And they went to negative levels in areas around the world like Europe and Japan. That is all reversing. Reality has struck. And when that happens, it gives us opportunity. And what we're seeing over the last several months is that we extended too far to the upside with the 10-year at four and a quarter at the peak last month and now at about 3.5% with the idea that maybe the Fed is done with some of the really heavy lifting that they did in the beginning of the rate hike cycle. And while we're probably going to see rates moving up in the future to combat this really terrible inflation, which we saw once again last week with the PPI coming above when you strip out all the important areas and look at the core, it was higher than anticipated on a month-over-month basis. It was by about two, two, um, 20 basis points, uh, 0.2%, and it was, which is a lot on a month. And then it was also higher on a year-over-year basis, coming in at 7.4% when expectations were at 7.2%. Now, that may seem like small potatoes, Wait, we were at 11%, and now we're talking about and quabbling over 0.2%? Eh, not a big deal. But 7% year-over-year is still a significant amount because it means we're still driving prices higher. But the Fed is maybe going to soften up. Next week, we have an FOMC meeting on the 14th where the Fed is going to come out with their latest. And right now, bets are all over the place and focused in on 50 basis points as the highest probability of a rate cut. Now, markets have been doing pretty well in establishing where uh, you know pricing should be, right below the 4,000 mark on the S&P 500, looking at probably something about an 18 times multiple, which I think is still too high for the majority of names out there, or the totality of the average, certain names deserve a higher multiple, certain names deserve a lower multiple. And when we look at where things are and the, the opportunities exist, probably some things were unduly and unjustly sold off because they, they were sold off in a manner of, well, if this happens, then this happens. The correlation and the causation of where we have a situation of higher rates means lower technology, means sell off real estate and buy staples. And look at maybe uh, energy, which is kind of interesting, whereas a commodity trade, right? When we see that prices are going up, we see commodity prices going up. People are paying more for things. People are going to pay more for oil and gas. And therefore, we should push up the prices of the companies in that industry, whether they're the services, whether they're the drillers, the explorers, whatever it may be. That industry itself 
has been very valuable. And the good news is we've had a good positioning in the value slash energy side across all of our portfolios. And I've been talking to you about this for about a year now. You've heard me say it, and I hope, I really do, that you took some of the things we talked about and you implemented them, which was very simply that we were over, uh, we, we, we were having an overage in the area of specifically value over growth, overweighting the position in such a way that we had still a position in the area of growth, the technology sector and biotech and, and consumers discretionary to some degree, but reduce that exposure down and overweight it. And that has been dramatic. This year, the differential, the spread between value and growth, both, uh, both on uh, or, or all on uh, the large cap, small cap, mid cap, has been dramatic. When do we turn that back? It's not, not quite yet. Not quite yet. There's still probably some room to run after multiple years of underperformance by those sectors due to them being out of favor from an interest rate and a monetary as well as a, I would say, an economically, an economic cycle standpoint. What we have now is a much different circumstance. What we have now is an environment that really favors the other side. It's, it's really pretty much that simple. It really is. And, and that is something that if you had properly adjusted your portfolio a year ago, you would have really been a lot better off this year. A lot of people are down and out. They have a lot of positions that are down 30, 40, 50%. Their portfolios are obliterated this year. The NASDAQ's down 30%. The S&P's down 16 and 17%. Dow, a little bit less. But again, that's not... I don't think the Dow 30 stocks is really clearly a representation of what people's portfolios may look like. Fact is, though, if you look at what is inside of that, is the higher, uh, the companies with the larger, um, you know, market caps, the companies, the industrials, the energies, you also have the, the, the high quality companies with really good balance sheets. That's what set the Dow into a much better circumstance this year than we see otherwise. But when we look at what's going on moving forward, let's take just a little bit of, of a breather and talk about that. And let's talk about how 2023, in my opinion, is going to be a year that you need to be very careful where you put your money. The first half of 2023, in my opinion, is going to be just as difficult as 2022. And if it isn't, and things change, and we see all of a sudden a big turnaround somewhere, like we're starting to see, for example, in China, where China says, you know what, the hell with it. You want to relieve these lockdowns? You want to go without masks? You want to have protests and cause trouble and problems? And you know what? We're also seeing that at the same time, we're really hurting. Okay, okay, have at it. Hong Kong stocks are over 30%. They're up 30%. In the last several weeks, on the idea that China is going to relax, even though the latest numbers to come out have showed there's going to be probably an advance in very quick manner of over 2 million deaths due to the fact that they have limited amount of 
vaccines. They have a very limited amount of overall protection. And by opening this up, because you see when it was closed down, they still had a lot of infection. Opening this up is going to cause a snowball like we haven't seen anywhere else before. Now, whether or not China provides those numbers, I don't know. But I would suggest that knowing how close people live there on top of each other, the sanitary conditions in many parts in the outskirts of non-core cities, as well as uh, the, the fact that they have been under lockdown all this time or at least kept safe is not the best recipe to do anything but get everybody infected and hope to God we get this herd immunity and stuff that we were all talking about years ago in the U.S. But it's not going to be a rolling situation. It's going to, boom. I think they're going to get it. Now, is that going to have China's government provide for a lot more stimulus? I think that's what's going into this equation. I think the reason why they are making a significant amount of of changes to their property developers, allowing for banks to lend, easing up on some of the restrictions is because they know that they're about to go into economic hell. They know that they are going to have what we had from a standpoint of now different than lockdowns individuals concerned. Whereas before people were trying to bust out, now they may retract. And they need to pump money into the economy to prime it at a time when they're most vulnerable. Because they need to get the hell over this already. This zero COVID policy, I've talked about this a thousand times here and on DH Unplugged each and every week. Man, it's not the right, it's just pathetic, it's terrible. And we know that from an economy and frankly, from a human life standpoint as well. Terrible. But that's what we're sensing and we're starting to see, and they may open up at least sometime, and I think this is all going to happen. A lot of the problems and the pain during the first half of 2023. Now, whether or not markets sniff this out and do a change in their outlook, maybe I would say in... March, April of next year. Or maybe it starts a little bit later. I'm not putting any dates on it because that's a fool's errand to try to predict an exact timing of all this. I'm just saying we need to be alert. We need to be on our feet. We need to be properly allocated, positioned, because I think that, again, there is going to be some of the ramifications of what we're seeing of the slow-moving process of raising rates and then colliding with what is going to be a pretty interesting situation in China if this plan continues and then what's going to happen with the winter uh, in Europe considering what's going on with Russia that's my thoughts and if you want to hear my thoughts that's great but let's get some other thoughts in there let's talk with uh, our guest today let's get right into it right now because I have a lot of questions on the area of bonds which again I think are kind of cool right now and our guest today is Steve Sanders he's the executive vice president of marketing and product development at interactive brokers group his uh, primary role is to market interactive brokers technology of the world. And after having spent more than 15 years at Citibank in such diverse functions as credit and risk management, marketing, financial planning, and product structuring, he joined IB, as we call it, or IBKR, Interactive Brokers, in 2001. He uh, went to uh, University of Chicago and uh, also um, SUNY Albany, my backyard there. Steve, how are you? It's been a while. 
I'm fine. It has been a while, Andrew. So we're entering into the Christmas season. I have some very basic questions that I'd like to ask you, but I also want to focus in today on uh, something that, well, I think a lot of people may be like, what? I want to talk about bonds. And the reason is that bonds for forever <laughs> were a boring instrument and they've perked up pretty dramatically in the last several months. One of the reasons being the Fed and the economy, et cetera. But we'll, we'll hold up. That, that's what I want to talk about. L let's get into some very important things to understand you a little bit better, okay? Right. Christmas season, spiral ham or Chateaubriand? Chateaubriand. Yeah. Do, do you have a spiral ham? Do you do the honey-baked thing? No, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I've had one years ago. I haven't had one in the longest time. I was advised to two different Christmas Eve parties and one dinner this year. So I'm going to have to, I'm sure there's going to be, I am certain there's going to be a spiral ham s somewhere and a Christmas day. And there's going to be a spiral ham on the table somewhere. Not uh, at my house. Uh, what about fruit? <laughs> uh, a yay or nay on the fruitcake? No, no, definitely not fruitcake. So not no. So far, the trend is non-traditional, or at least not non-traditional. You you don't like the traditional items. Okay, eggnog or rum punch. Oh, that's interesting. I'll take the rum punch. Okay, there we go. This is a guy that I want to actually hang out with. Because if you would have picked the spiral ham, the eggnog, and the fruitcake, I think we'd have something to talk about, you know? Right. Like the need for counseling or something of that nature. <laughs> <But, laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's talk. Can I just, before we talk about bonds for a second, can I talk to you a little bit about, I'm not sure if this is an area that you can uh, comment on or not, and, and tell me if you can or can't. But one of the things about interactive brokers is I think you pride yourself in having I don't know if this is the right word, but an all-in-one account. Is that the right word where you can yes, hold? Yes, yes. We call it our universal account. Universal we account. Save stock options, Forex, bonds, crypto, whatever you want, and multiple currencies all from the same account. And how do you do that? Do you actually just link it through there? Because the crypto in particular yeah. I'm focusing it on. And I don't need all the gruesome details here, but a lot of companies will have crypto held specifically in separate accounts away from? Is it just that you're showing it as consolidated okay. or is it truly consolidated? Okay. So certainly the plumbing underneath needs to match what the regulations are. Right. And the regulations say not only for crypto, but for stocks and futures. I mean, there's two different regulators in the U.S. and they need to be two different accounts underneath. And the crypto, you know, we hold that at Paxos. They're our custodians. So that's yet another account. But in terms of what the client sees when they log into their uh, trading platform, it, it, it's all one. We hide all of that. We need all the that's regulation, fine. but we hide, um, you know, all the plumbing. So uh, then this next question is, let's, let me give you an example of something um, that I've always wondered about. Let's say that I have, let's just make it really easy. I have 100 shares of Apple and I have five Bitcoin. Okay, that's it. That's all I have. Okay, and some cash. Now, if I wanted to buy Apple and I want to sell my Bitcoin, is it pretty much instantaneous where it goes into that same cash account or is there a crypto cash account that I then need to move over or is it, again, all, all in one? It, it is all instantaneous and seamless. You know, as far as what you see, 
you have one pot of cash and you can trade whatever asset class you want. Who else has this? Because I don't think any. Who else? I don't. I don't. We really we, we are the only ones. We built it early on. You know, our heritage is in in options market making, and because we had options um, operations all around the world, um, you know, our view has always been worldwide. And therefore, when we built this out, you know, and and we started building it right when I arrived in in two thousand and one. Um, you know, we were building it out with the world's view. Hmm. So really that is the core of how we are different. And today, 85% of our accounts come from outside the U.S. It wasn't like that in 2001. Now I'll tell you, just to let you know, so, so people understand what he's saying here. Um, I have clients that are outside the U.S., right? So, uh, what happens is, and, and as an investment advisor, um, there's not... There's not a, as a U.S.-based investment advisor, you know, I can't work with people in Canada, which I, by the way, think is the weirdest rule ever that IAs can't work with Canadians. You're familiar with that, right? Well, I, I would think, and I'm, I'm not the expert on this, but if you were to go up to Canada and get a, a license to uh, advise in Canada, you'd be able to, but maybe you've checked that out already. Yes, it would be under a Canadian license, but as an AIA, and then it got, you know, the two different companies have to be apart. And Exactly. But my point, exactly. Is, my point is that what's interesting is, let's just say for a moment, I could work in Canada. And I, again, I have clients in other countries. Yeah. But what's interesting is when they put money into the account, it can go in their local currency. And then we can, if we want to, either trade in the local currency and have their accounts held in the local currency. Or their, not say local, their currency, I should say. Their, their currency, currency, their currency, right. Uh, or convert all a part of it into, you know, U.S., depending on, for example, um, I'm thinking about some clients that had in, in Australia. And the, uh, the, the, the Australian dollar was very, very weak for a while. And they really didn't yeah. want to buy necessarily into the U.S. dollar, but they still wanted to hold the positions. So we were able to actually hold the, US, uh, the, um, the Australian currency as the backdrop, we'll call it, of the account, right? And right. that was very helpful. But it was, if we were to do this, for example, with Schwab, could not do that. Could, no, you know, no, you, you can't. could not. And, could and not. just to let you know, um, we, we have a number of advisors that have clients in multiple countries because we're, we're pretty unique in the ability to offer that, what, yeah. what you just described. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. So, um, again, I wanted to talk about a few different things and um, there's so many different things to talk about, but I, I want to focus in on bonds. Now, the environment for, well, before I do that, I'm sorry. This is really bad form the way I'm about to do this. Uh, yep. Let's go back to crypto because I think that's important. I don't know why I missed this this point after we have the discussion. I guess I have so many things to ask you about. But with crypto, are you concerned about some of the changes in the environment over the last, let's say, six months compared to when you first got into the crypto space? Is it is there... Is there any, this whole FTX thing or any of the things that are going on with some of lending based, is that something that's troubling you? No, because our crypto is held in custody at, at Paxos. Now, now keep in mind, our main business is not, is not crypto. Right. We, we got into crypto and we also offer crypto futures and options. 
because some of our clients said, well, we want to, you know, diversify our portfolio a little bit and maybe buy a little, a little bit of crypto for the portfolio, as well as advisors who wanted to maybe buy some of it for their clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, as I said, we, we, we could have gone and got all the transmitter licenses to do it ourselves because crypto is the only product where we don't self-clear and self-execute. But we decided not to. We decided to go with Paxos, who's a custodian, who's con completely, you know, safe and, you know, kind of outsourced that one. But, you know, as I said, it's not a it's not a big, huge business for us. And and um, we're not into the trading of it or, or the other types of risky things. Mm -hmm. I got you. Yeah, because what what's, what's what I find fascinating about this whole Crypto world, uh, aside from the fact that I never really understood why it was so necessary besides greed and all the usual things that go into it and why then it fell down, the whole, the extraordinary amount of leverage that was put on this stuff, it was, you know, crap on top of shit on top of throw up on top of puke on top of gross. That's, and then, and then all, and then all disappeared. Everybody's like, well, how'd that happen? It's like, well, I mean, you know, it, it was, right, it, right, 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 right. It was nothing to begin well, with. I certainly don't want to give advice, you know, on on anything. I get it. But I I kind of always saw crypto as a a solution in search of a problem. Yeah. I I personally don't get it, but you know there are many others who know a lot more than me that that uh, do get it. So. I'll share with you. I, I've said this from the beginning. I see crypto as a speculative investment that could take the form of any shape or size. You know, you could you could I don't care right. what you have, right? If you want to, it's if it's betting, if you will, to a degree, speculation, fine. These guys that come on, and we'll end it on this, but I saw somebody last week, he was talking about how crypto, not crypto, Bitcoin, not, not, not crypto, let me just be clear, Bitcoin was the solution to the diversity inclusion issue we have. It was the solution to hunger and pain and suffering and war and famine and, and, and pestilence. It was this solution. I'm thinking, this is like a chiropractor telling me that if he cracks my neck, I'll get rid of my allergies. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't get it, but you know what? There are lots of things in this world that yeah. I don't get. <laughs> That's the truth right there. There's the truth. All right, let's talk about the bond marketplace because once again, this is 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 pretty interesting. I think that a lot of people need to know with bonds. Let me share with you something, Steve. So for years, back when, back in the day, the old man is coming out to talk right now. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, all right. So you want to be in a conservative portfolio. You need income. Okay, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to layer in some bonds for you, and we can probably get you, you know, at the end of the day with some yield on some maybe preferred stocks, maybe some good quality bonds, maybe a little bit of equity in there to, to keep up the pace for hedging of inflation and things like that. Eh, you get you 3 4% yield. You know, sometimes it was 5% overall on a portfolio. And then we had this decade plus of, no, that's not possible, right? You know, of why do you put your money in bonds? Well, there is some yield and we get capital op uh, appreciation. And then it ended to be, in the end of it, it was just this flat nothingness and turned out to be a disaster in the end, right? Um, right. But one of the things that's really fascinating is you can actually get, and I'm just talking about on short-term guaranteed treasuries uh, guaranteed by the U.S. government um, and backed, uh, you can get 
two years at 4.5% net. You can get six months at 4.6%, and that's a pretty remarkable thing. The question is, how do you do that? Because I think a lot of people are either, I talk to so many people, they're like, listen, I don't know anything about bonds. (laughs) That's what they say, right? I know nothing about bonds. Therefore, that translates to me is they would have no idea where to go and get information. So what's interesting is when you have a platform that provides for the ability for, you know, everyday folk to really not understand necessarily at first, but to find out more, I think that's pretty cool. And you have, that's what you have in the bond marketplace, right? Right. Well, certainly bonds is a big mystery to people. Um, And I I would caution the the two things people need to watch out for, because these things can change at any time, are credit risk. And certainly, you know, I remember, you know, back to the old days at Citibank about credit risk because it can sink you. And the other is is, um, interest rate risk, meaning you know, when interest rates are going down, you know, it's a great party. When when the interest rates are going up, it it it, it can be very painful. And and certainly I remember when, you know, interest rates were heading up into the double digits and people taking huge, huge losses. Um, I don't know where the markets are gonna go, but I would certainly suggest that people, you know, um, maybe they wanna think a little bit short term for a while till things, you know, stabilize. And certainly they want to pay attention to credit risk. But, um, you know, those are the two things I would look after. Yep, I I would. I would. um, I think there the credit risk is a big issue. And that's very tough to discern, you know, because you don't know on on, and credit risk. Let's kind of go through this a little bit. What, What I'll just ask you, I could talk about it. But Tell me, what does that mean? What is credit risk? Credit risk is the risk of whoever you buy your bonds from defaulting on you. But there's more than that, isn't it? Isn't it really also a change in credit? So, for example, uh, and this may be what you're saying, but let's not go from a, from a, you know, a to Z in one second here, right? From either, hey, they're going to pay to, oh my God, they're defaulting. Let's talk about just a simple thing like a change in credit rating, what that does. A- absolutely. You know, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something, having worked with the rating agencies, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is they do a lot of due diligence. They look at these things, you know, they're wrong also. OK, so stuff they're rating, you know, triple A or double A today, you know, when when reality sinks in, it, <laughs> yep. it, it, it could go to, you know, non-investable grades. So. Yes, certainly, you know, um, credit ratings are things to watch for along the way, but the the credit rating agencies, that's not the only thing I would pay attention to. The thing about credit risk, it can deteriorate fast. I mean, think about FTX, right? One day they were on top of the world and and a week later, you know, they're filing for bankruptcy, right? Right. No, exactly. So you have to watch that. How do you go about then understanding? We'll talk about more of a the corporate environment. Let's the, the sovereign debt 
You know, like the U.S. debt is very rarely moved. And when it does, it it, it hurts, but it doesn't change a lot of things, right? They're not yeah. moving it from, you know, a, a, you know, a double A to a C minus. I mean, they're moving it from maybe an A, triple A to a, a double A minus or something like that. Maybe, yeah. if, maybe, which they won't because then the credit agencies get in big trouble and then they can't work in the air. You know how that goes, right? You know, they get yeah, absolutely. So, because um, don't forget, the credit agencies are also being paid a lot of times by the companies to do the credit rating. Right? Yeah, they're always paid by the companies <laughs> and having worked on structuring a few deals, you know, sometimes I, <laughs> I, I, I sat there wondering. <laughs> How does that work? If, right. If you pay for the rating, you know, you, you probably get the most optimistic rating. Right? So, so it's interesting that you mentioned that because could you imagine if a company paid for their rating when it came to their stock? That seems well, absurd. Yeah, no, that that's ex exactly true. I mean, but it's the same with company auditors, right? You know, the accounting firms that are saying your financials are good, the company's paying for those also, right? For those right. audits. And maybe they're paying a little bit more to make sure they're good. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you, you just have to keep a, a cautious eye on all of this. But let's get back to understanding about the bond market itself. So in the bond market, you know, a lot of people, like we said, are, are very much confused by it. But if we can narrow down some of the ways to find good quality credit, um, and that's one of the things that the, the bond marketplace and the tools that you have work. Right, 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 right. So so let me give you a little background on this. You know, as I mentioned, I worked on the uh, fixed income desk or with the fixed income uh, desk at Citigroup. And I always found bonds pretty boring, right? As you mentioned before. So that, that's, you know, good. that's good, by the way, just to let everybody know, boring bonds are, are good. When we have exciting they, they, bonds, they're, they're that's, concern, that's concerning. They, they're good. And this is how I felt when I was younger. And, you know, I'm, you know, getting older. And I said to myself, you know what, it's time to buy some unis, you know, for for tax protection and to diversify a little bit and, you know, uh, to make sure that, that I'll have enough to live on in the future. So I, you know, I keep, I keep accounts at all the, you know, big brokers. Um, they all know series license and they have to report whatever I do there to mm -hmm. interact with brokers. Mm -hmm. All of them asking about muni bonds. And for the most part, most of them didn't have an online tool. And most of them came back with a PDF package of what they wanted to offer to me, which was a limited set. And on top of that, they were building in um, spreads of up to $5 per bond, which $1,000 bond, which is pretty expensive, right? So I said to myself, we have to do better than that. And, you know, because I, I know that they were building it in because I could look at, you know, our platform and, and see that because we never build in any kind of spreads. So I said to myself, we have to do better than that. We can put a tool online where people can go and they can look up the prices. They can see everything that's out there, just not what I want to offer them on that day. And they can make their own decisions. So generally what I did to start was I said, you know what, I'm not willing to take anything double A, um, less than double A in terms of credit rating. So I put that into the tool 
And, you know, given at the time that interest rates were, um, you know, um, just, you know, had hit bottom, I said to myself, you know what, I'm not willing to take anything over uh, two years in maturity because I wanted to protect against that and not see everything get wiped out. And I also put into the filter, you know, I live in New York State that I want New York state bonds because I wanted the, the triple tax free. And I put that in and I said, sort this in, in um, the highest rates and uh, yield to worst. And it came back with all the rates and, and I could see right there and then what was available. Now to let you know, um, in the primary markets, they're usually offering large amounts. What tends to happen in the secondary markets is you have the dealers getting rid of the extras. So generally, you know, you might see 25,000, 50,000 or 100,000 worth. But if you're willing to pick up uh, the scraps of, of um, the broker dealers that are uh, Offering out these bonds, you, you can assess, you can do pretty well, um, even even better than maybe some of the primary markets. So you mentioned a couple of things there, and let me just kind of go backwards and give everybody a little bit of a history lesson when it comes to bonds. So you, you're right about the thing. You, you, there's a there's, there's equity trading desks and there's bond desks, right? Fixed income desks. Um, and there's the option desks and all that, but let's right, just right. now, now I just want to point out one thing, Andrew, yep. the biggest difference between equity desks and bond desks with bonds, there were just so many of them, mm -hmm. right? You know, well, because millions. every company, oh. it's not like just buying IBM, every company, there's 25 every different issues and dates and terms and things. Exactly. And, yeah. With stocks, there's just IBM or Apple. So it's much easier to centralize markets with stocks and options than it is with bonds. And, and that's why it took so long for bonds to go electronic. It used to be done uh, manual. The only thing that really pushed this electronically uh, was, was the fact that the banks, you know, now had to put up capital after the last financial crisis in 2008. And they just said, we don't want to do this anymore. It's too expensive. So, you know, it's funny. Back in the day, so what we would do is we'd have multiple brokers. We'd actually have multiple secondary brokers called prime brokerage accounts and trade away accounts. And we would scour the universe, right? We'd call up the Kansas Bank of Kansas City and this guy over here and Bank of America, you know, all their trading desks. And we'd get, okay, we'd say, hey, we want you know, this particular bonds or give me a range and they give me, you know, and each one of them will come back with a different price for the bond. Now, what was right. interesting about that, you talk about how they, they put in pricing a lot of times in the bond bond is you can't tell what the real markup is unless you see multiple uh, comparatives, right? Because yeah, one, exactly one guy's, one, you know, one guy's at a hundred dollars per bond. One guy's at 98 and a half. One guy's at 97. One guy's at 102. So, you know, the guy at 102 is trying to get a couple of bucks on me. The fact is he could be buying it and put a commitment in the $97 guy. He may say, I'll buy that all day long and I'll sell it for as long as I can sell it. That's right. And it was your job to go out there and figure out, um, you know, what the prices were and see if you were being ripped off or not. And that process, by the way, was not only difficult because you had to make all these calls, you know, make all the calls or send a note or whatever. Uh, or a message, and then you'd have to wait for them to come back 
in a timely manner, you know, assuming they weren't busy at the time. And then you had to wait for everybody to come together and then make a decision and then to call them back and say, Hey, I want yep. 50 of those, uh, of, of those, of those ABC bonds. Oh, sold them already. Sold them. <laughs> or, or I need to give you a new price. Yeah, new price right. Always a new price were quite often. Okay. Right. You know, and then we go through this whole thing. And then you're thinking, wow, do I have to go bid this out again? And then yeah. you get the bond and then you buy it there. And then they'd ship that eventually over to an account at Schwab or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade and or whatever it is. And then we'd actually then have to allocate it to our client accounts. Exhausting. Absolutely. Exhausting. Exhausting and no clue as to whether you got the best I have no idea. Right. We hope we think we did the due right. We think we did the due diligence. We think we did the research. We think we did the right thing. There could have been somebody else out there from bank XYZ that had a better deal and we would have never known. And not only that, but you were focusing on one bond. There could have been the <laughs> other bonds right. out there that would have gotten you better yields. Yes. So the problem was that the old, that was the old days. I mean, obviously a lot of stuff is more electronic now. It's more at your fingertips and more understandable. Um, but you mentioned something that there's no built-in spread. How do you get paid? IBKR. How does IBKR get paid? Oh, we have an explicit commission. So you may um, charge X dollars or something for per per this many bonds, like an options commission. Th th that's exactly right. Um, I'm going to look up here our our commissions on bonds. So basically, well, yeah, I got this. I got a list here. Somewhere. Whether it's, it's corporate or munis, but but basically it's you know it it's 0.1% to 0.025% on corporates and CDs. And on munis, it's 0.05% to 0.0125%. So, you know, that, and, and treasuries, US um, issues are even less. And by the way, can I just explain something to, to everybody? I think that's really important because I have a comparison chart uh, of averages out there. That, that's pretty cheap, by the way. Yeah. From what I'm seeing. But the other thing is, that bonds, people don't realize this. Bonds historically were the place that the brokers made their money. And the reason for that is you bought a 20 year bond. And instead of paying you four and a quarter percent, they paid you four and an eighth. But that eighth was every single year. You know, they amortized it over the period of time, right? Yep. So that eighth, that eighth was not a one time deal. Right. It was over it technically is is over the 20 years. And if you calculate that, it was probably like a three percent deal. That that that's exactly right. Because <laughs> what a because deal. The bond, because the bond market is so opaque, there there are just all these hidden corners where they could rip you off. And that's why they never wanted to make it electronic. With stocks, you go to one place, you pretty much know what the what the spread is and what the price is. Yeah, I mean that was that was the biggest issue. Was of, of course you have the the other problem is you have the uh, you know the, and then they have the audacity sometimes to put a commission on it on you too. You know what I'm saying that, that's oh. exactly oh. right. I was gonna oh. I was gonna mention that they take, <laughs> they take the spread, they take the commission, they oh. they take the wife. They, <laughs> it was unbelievable the bond market. I mean, you wonder why is that guy driving a Lamborghini and he's working the bond market? I don't understand. He's got he's just dealing with old people's money. I don't understand. Right, exactly. <laughs> That was the day. So good deal. Yeah, exactly. So you have what? You have uh, treasuries, 
the, the right. treasury. We have treasuries, we have uh, munis. Uh, people can find our bond marketplace if they just come to our website and they type the and and they click on um, the the uh, services menu. Um, the, it will say bond marketplace there. And you can go in, the search tool is there. Um, just to let you know, we offer close to 40,000 uh, global corporates, um, close to 23,000 CDs, a thousand uh, different treasuries, over a million munis. And then we also have non-US sovereign bonds. We offer about 2,500 of those. Hmm. So if it's electronic, we pretty much have it. And we believe we're the largest in the world. So the the um, have you have you found that your bond business because you're, you're, listen you're well you're, you're better known for your your very good technology in the area of yeah. equities and all that but that's yeah. that's a, I don't think it's a secret but um, finding that your bond business has been picking up dramatically or is it how is that going Oh absolutely look so I got the idea I said we needed the tool we put it online nobody showed up to my party oh right because oh. it was a low interest rate environment mm-hmm. and you really can't hawk bonds you know when you're earning less than one percent right yeah. so yeah. very very disappointing but things really started to turn around I would say oh maybe August of September of this year. And, and we have seen tremendous um, interest, not only in our, um, our bond search tool, our bond marketplace, but also in the number of trades um, that, that we're seeing on bonds. Hmm. And, and this is not only from individuals, it's also from advisors like you. Yeah, who, I, can, uh, I can imagine it because I know that I picked up our, the, the research and the um, bonds for, I mean, depending on the portfolio for clients, on what we do, we picked up a lot of that. And again, once once I found that we can get four and a half percent on a shorty on a US, right. I'm like, uh, can I, how do I not do that? So, you know, a lot of cash that was yeah. ded- either dedicated cash or short term cash. So what, what's, what are you paying on your money markets these days? Oh, so we don't have a traditional money market. We just pay interest on our um, on our broker account, right? right? Yeah. So right now, our broker account is paying three point three three percent. Yeah, that's, right? that's that's something. The trick that many of the other brokers, um, you know, play is that unless you sweep it out or do something, they pay you zero. Well, that, that, so, why don't you tell? Wait, let's back up on that for a second. And 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 the other response to the other guys. So what? You just move it over to when you want to use it, and it's three point five percent. What's the difference, right? Why don't you explain why that's a trick? It's a it's a trick because you know people don't look at it every day. They're lazy, and it just sits in there earning zero percent. So or, or maybe who, you didn't configure your sweep account right for those who offer a sweep, and you know it's some low yielding uh, type of thing. That's certainly a way that other brokers make a lot of money. That's why we pay the interest rate on your your broker account. There's nothing you have to do if if you have a positive cash balance in whatever currency it is, because we offer you know basically our interest rate is a benchmark such as Fed funds. Um, minus 50 basis points, okay? So we have these benchmarks around the world, no matter what currency you keep your money in, um, we're going to pay you a pretty high interest rate. 
So this may this must be a, a, a real benefit to you financially as a firm, the higher interest rates than we had before, because you weren't able to really earn the money before. That that that's exactly right. When when the interest rates, you know, when it was 50 basis points, um, we weren't paying our clients anything. Um, and and um, but there was we no there was, there was also any, no extra for you. There was no extra spread on it. Now there's a limit to what we make, right? Because we're fifth, we're benchmark less 50 basis points. So let's assume we're earning the benchmark. The limit to what we earn is 50 basis points. The limit for the other brokers is much higher because as the benchmark goes up and they can earn more and more and more, they they just don't pay, they pay something smaller or something lesser and, and they can keep on earning more. So for most brokers, it's it's even more um, profitable in, in, in rising interest times. I mean, I think it's pretty fascinating. Like I said, I, I find myself... Uh looking at bonds, a, a multitude, mul- multiple of what I did a year ago, clearly, uh, in wow. an area that it seems to me, and I'm talking on my side, uh, you know, really interesting where, you know, if you can get cash at three and a half percent, let's say on, you know, interest on your cash account, three and a half percent, but then that overage, we've laddered up also to bonds up to six, seven months, which is not long, by the way, it's not a long, uh, you know, that's not, not a long, long that's, but I'm getting still four and a half percent there. I mean, that's, that, that's a beautiful thing. Now, whether that holds up, or not, yeah. or whether it's just the next six months to a year that we can get, you know, squeeze it out of that for clients. I'm okay with that. Well, see, there's a, there's a timing thing going on here to try to predict when rates are going to reach their peak, right? Yeah. Because when they reach their peak, you probably want to get longer term bonds, Correct. right? Yeah. Maybe seven years out or 10 years out. So you don't have to worry. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's anybody's guess if, if we've reached the top or, or you know, w- what's going to happen. Right. Well, so. yeah, we went from a four and a quarter percent 10 year recently to now a three point five or less, which is pretty yeah. fascinating, considering the fact that the Fed barkers and parade uh, carnival uh, parade has been out, you know, which they have to come out. Yep. Uh, listen, you've been in this business long enough that there was a time we didn't know who the head Fed guys were or gals. Yep. That, 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 that's exactly right. And now I wish we can go back to that because I can't stand them. <laughs> By the way, I think there, are a, a, they, there is a dereliction of duty to maintain price stability by them walking out all the time and giving us different notions. And the market's putting so much, putting so much importance on what they say. And they know that, therefore, do it even more. Because when Bernanke came out with his communication policy, all that was was carrot and stick. And he'll admit it at this point. That's what it is. Shaping the minds of where interest rates are going so that they don't have to do it themselves. It's a confidence game that has just gone awry, in my opinion. But that's yeah, all. That's I, all that's I the see only. what you're talking about. I mean, I think the argument in the old days was there wasn't enough transparency. And now the argument now is there's too much transparency. Um, so. I know it's, and, and you know what, and, and you know, Steve, a lot of people would say there's never enough transparency. I say, I'm calling BS on that. There's certain yeah. times that, you know, we don't need every single piece of information all the time. There was a yeah. time I didn't know what the price of a stock was until the day later when the newspaper came out. Yep. Well, I think the genie is out of the bottle. <laughs> I don't going back to the old days. Uh, I'm not going back to my my Saturday and Sundays at the library studying the Barons. 
No, no, they, we're, we're not going back there. And I think people just have to uh, recognize that and just work with whatever the current trend is. But that's right? a good point that you make there. So the point is to have the greatest access to technology at your fingertips that's not overwhelming, easy to use, and finding it in a way that is has education. Now, do you have education? Yes. Education materials on the bond side? Or ID. A KR campus. It could be reached from our website under education. Cool. The IBKR campus has a number of pillars. One, the Traders Academy, which is all our courses. We offer um, over 60 courses in various different investing and trading topics. Our daily traders insight, where we get commentary not only from us, but from industry participants, our quant blog, which is for API programmers. It's it's a weekly newsletter and, and website, our student trading lab, um, which is a paper trading um, system for uh, college professors all around uh, the US. We also do webinars and we have a traders uh, glossary. Uh, and and our new podcast, we have our podcast. Everybody's maybe, got a podcast. Everybody's right, got to have a podcast. Maybe you'll be a guest. Uh, there you go. Podcasts, <laughs> there right? you go. There you go. There you go. You know, it's interesting. Do you have a? Uh, you meant you mentioned something there. There was a lot more than I. That I didn't realize you had that much. Um, yeah. But one of the things is you mentioned you have the paper trading account for colleges, universities, and professors. Do you have a? Have you ever? Have you ever? desire to put together a time-based game for trading? In other words, like a one-month trading competition that, because you, you could do this with just a paper trading account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've done that from time to time, you know, uh, lately mostly in Asia. Mm -hmm. um, so we certainly have the platform to do it. Mm -hmm. And if somebody comes to us and they say, you know what, I want to, I want to do this type of thing. We'll certainly work with them on it. I think it's pretty fast. That, that's kind of cool because I think a lot of people would like to, yeah. I, I've done that before and those games before and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's like fantasy football ish, you know, yeah. it's fan, if like fantasy stocks, weekly fantasy yeah, stocks, absolutely. what is it? You know, so appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Steve Sanders. Okay. So uh, I want you to enjoy your Chateau along with your rung punch Thank and you. uh, your cannoli. I didn't ask you what you're having. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, I'm having uh, this weekend. We're starting the uh, sausage. We, I have my my Italian friends. Uh, right. Actually, we're starting the process of making our own homemade sausage, own homemade short rib meatballs, own homemade pastas and uh, sauce. And then uh, for, I think for Christmas, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. But my All preference right. would be, again, Chateau. It would be the rum punch. And it would be uh, creme brulee. All right, so we think a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're in I when you're in Florida, I'll take you out for all those years together, right? Yeah. I, when you come down to Florida, I'll, everybody gets to Florida eventually. Everybody gets a Absolutely. podcast eventually, and everybody gets to Florida eventually. Yeah. So when Absolutely. you you get down here, I will take you out for all three of those items. Well, thank you very much. All right. Listen, the best to you and your family and the entire team over at IB. Okay. Great. Thank you, Andrew. Right. Thanks. Well, I hope that you're going to have a great holiday, and hopefully, again, we have a few weeks to that. But, you know, we're starting with uh, Hanukkah's coming next week, and then we got Christmas right around the corner and all that. So it's going to be pretty interesting 
time of the year for everybody right here. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of this each and every week. Thank you so much for putting your comments out there. Thank you so much for subscribing, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or Amazon. And thank you for putting your comments on and your and your opinions and your ratings over on uh, uh, iTunes, Apple, whatever it's called right now. Uh, listen, if you want to get in touch, go over to thedisciplinedinvestor.com. I'm happy to talk to you about your investments, your finances and all that. That's what we do. That's what it's all about. We'll make sure that uh, you are on your road towards financial security for the future. Financial independence. That's what we got. Until next week. Again, thanks for joining me. Have a safe one. Have a profitable one. I'll see you soon. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as the sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.